it's time for your favorite podcast, Beyond the Nerd. Sit back and enjoy the ride with your host, Joe. We'll be going beyond the nerd and into a world unimagined. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Nerd with myself, Joe, and today I'm here with Russell Payne. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hello, I'm Russell Payne. Um, <laughs> I met Joe at a Comic-Con last March, which was the last Comic-Con that I did, because the world went crazy after that. So um, you're literally the only person I've spoken to for the last year. You know what, I feel honoured. I genuinely do. Like it's, it's, it's weird how times have like been since then. Obviously, we were talking about this like before we started, but like how literally like last year we were out comic cons, do whatever we want, and then a year later we sat here, like stuck in the house more or less, like only just being able to go out now. Um, finally, pubs are back open, kind of, but even then, like, is it worth it? What a crazy, um, crazy, crazy year it's been! Yeah, hundred um, percent. Sorry, when you said introduce yourself, you probably should say what I am, shouldn't I? Um, I, I guessed at Comic Cons mainly because I volunteer for the Jack Kirby Museum, but I'm also a, a writer, author, screenwriter, poet, comic writer, colorist, inker, musician, and I exaggerate a lot about my abilities. <laughs> a lot. I, a I lot. made a career out of it, yeah. No, that's fine. So, so I do want to touch on before anything. Um, Steven and Shazam. Uh, I did see your parkour video on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> uh, BM Extreme uh, video. Yeah, you shouldn't have. You shouldn't have um, done that. You shouldn't have researched that that deeply into my past. I just had to. I think it's no, because like we, we were talking about the. I don't want to ask you the stereotypical questions on well, who is your influence. Yeah, I, I will get around to that. Don't get me wrong. I will ask you that at some point. Well, I, think that, some of the things out I think that video has had a fair few hundred thousand views, so I, I, I consider it a success. I was basically we we live in a in a retirement area where there are pen, there are pensioners and there are teenagers, and there's no in between. So you've got people on skateboards doing parkour, and you've got people collecting the pension at the post office. And searching the local area, there were some parkour videos that were just absolutely hilarious. So. Me and my middle-aged friend thought, let's get together and do <laughs> do a spoof parkour video. So yeah, we pretended to be um, we pretended to be teenagers, and basically ran around and recorded some music. And yeah, we also did you see old age parkour? I didn't. Oh my god! Uh, did I miss see, one out? There were there were much far more special effects in that one. Oh, At one point, we, we run across the we run across the home of an old folks' home. At one point. Oh, but it's all it's all green screen, so you know it's not very convincing. Yeah, we did the t- we did a teenage one, and then we did an old person one. Oh God! You so missed, you, why, you've, why? you've missed out. Maybe that's that's like watching Man of Steel, but but not watching Batman versus Superman. You're not going to have the full experience. You know what? Like literally after this, I'm genuinely going to watch it. I'm going to message you. and I'm going to be like, that was the best thing ever. Like I just last thing. Like obviously, you said it was obviously because you've seen. Obviously, over the stupid, well, people actually doing it serious, but you thought, no, we're going to spoof it, have a laugh. But, like, that's what I like. Like, you can genuinely tell you just don't care. 
<laughs> you just want it. You just, you just, I was just, we were just having a laugh. Because yeah. there's like, you, you see some people in the background looking at you like, what are they doing? <laughs> and it's just, just made me laugh. I can't, you know, that was so long ago. I can't even remember what it was called. I'm Googling it now. <laughs> while she looked for even, that. I can't even find it. So while she looked so for that. So how did you find that? I mean, what? No. What, uh, what level of deep? <laughs> I'm pretty I'm good at this, aren't I? I'm pretty good at going deep. Um, oh, wow, that sounds so fucking around. Uh, 69,000 views 13 years ago. Yeah. Parkour Extreme. The, um, I think that was that was our big hit. You know, back in the years when, when YouTube was a, seen as a way of making money, I think we made about £60 from that. that, that really? Oh, yeah, well, like £60, £60, isn't it? It's like, that's meant that. Yeah, it's over 13 years. Yeah, and money for doing nothing. Nothing? A lot of work went into that. A lot of work went into that. A lot of work. That's fair. I think it was, it was filmed on a proper sort of... Um, at the time I was working in the... There's, there's lots of background to this, and this could take up the whole podcast. But the, no, go for it. Tell me. At the time I was working, um, making films for the civil service, I worked in a... Uh, communications team so we used to do like videos for conferences and things and i i borrowed the um <laughs> the equipment from work and and did a few okay. personal films um and that was that was one of them oh wow so i know that you go by many names i mean i i think i even wore a mask for that so how do you know it's me oh because I'm, I'm not stupid yeah fair enough <laughs> <laughs> you can kind of tell it you um, that's like it's my cover blown. I mean, this is this is an exclusive. To be fair, you go, you go by many names anyway. So like I, Morris Telford. I do. I've always Mal used a lot of Bidfuss, different Jim Templeton, Ray Bid, Raymond Biddle, Rabbit, and obviously Devon. Deviant. I don't know. That's what we called ourselves in the in the parkour video, wasn't yeah. it? What was the other yeah, guy called? Shazam. Shazam. That's it. Yeah, Shazam and Deviant. I think yeah, we put yeah. like it was Shazam, but with a four in the middle for a. For the age. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it because was. That's yeah. what that's what the cool kids do. It was back then because I remember, like, so say for instance, like when I was like younger. Obviously, I'm not that old, but um, we used to like on like school desk and like you'd see like Joe Two K Two, like it was two thousand and two and stuff was like that. And like I think back then, like that's how like, so kids. You see, in my book, right. in my book, that's still cool. If you write, if, you, if you're in a gang and they call the killers, it has to end in E Z, not E R S, because then it's cool. And then instead of an I, it'd be a one. There you go. Now Make it talking. even cooler. Also handy for passwords for your internet as well. Oh, 100%. Um, I'm very, very safe with my passwords, to be fair. Um, I've got a different password for everything, so I don't know how I keep track of it these days. <laughs> so, yeah, in the early days. I think part of that came from I, I had a respectable job in, in media and didn't particularly want the people I worked with knowing that I was also writing <laughs> books and films and, and appearing in things because I was also the face of some quite serious videos. Um, and I think that's probably where the pseudonym thing started started out and then it, it got silly. There was a video as well if I remember, where you are doing poetry and you are literally reading out a bill. It's just, I think it's your electric bill or your gas bill or something, you're just reading it out. 
Yeah, right. I, I quite like doing um, poetry performance that's made more or less designed to make the audience walk out. Like, if I could get away with just getting my like my gas bill from downstairs or something and just reading it out as though it's poetry, I'd happily do that. It, it's you know it actually there's a, there's a serious side to it in that anything anything that you write and perform an awful lot of it is in the performance and you can you can do if it's performed well you can almost say anything i do i do a few things i do a have you did you watch the tractor name suggestions video that I didn't no bizarrely goes down a storm um and it's basically me reading out for for 20 30 minutes a list of different suggestions for the name of the tractor. Um, I'm looking this up. I mean, it's been a massive hit. It's had 219 views on on YouTube. There we go. I found it. I found it. But you know, people liked it, um, and I, I also do a piece where I repeat the word avocado several hundred times, and it's all in the performance. I mean, it's obviously it's rubbish, <laughs> but, but um, it's also entertaining. So I think the, the audience go on a journey of thinking, "Well, why is he doing this? This is a waste of my time and his." Think... And then, then they start laughing because they think, "Well, it's now gone on for three or four minutes. Surely he's going to stop soon." And then they get angry, and then after about ten minutes, the laughter starts again. So it's a journey for all of us. Yeah, I think this is like. Obviously, when you go to like something like a poetry or something, you expect it to be very serious. It's very down to earth, like poetry and that. And then you're just reading a fucking gospel out. I mean, I, I, I do an hour. I do an hour set. You know, I have done more stuff as well. But mixing it in with that is interesting because it, it it is it plays the expectations of the audience. But I am I am a serious poet as well, but not very. I know that you've also got stuff on the BBC archives at the moment. Well, I know it's still on BBC archives. Uh, yeah, there's, a, there's under a couple of years Morris worth Telford, of Morris Telford on, yeah. on BBC. So what, what I, was? Um, so I, I didn't read it a lot, a lot because I, I'm not going to lie. I hit like I can read comics and stuff like that. Uh, happily listen to audiobooks, but when it comes to like reading like a lot of like stuff, like when it's like big paragraphs and stuff, I, like my mind just zones out. So please give give me an insight in it. Like, there were no pictures, unfortunately, on the BBC site. Yeah, um, it was just just prose. Um, that was my big break at the time. It was when Greg Dyke worked at the BBC, um, and I'd done a like an online travel log about a guy called Marlowe Bidforth. That was uh, the 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 idea was he was travelling the world with a mobile satellite phone of some sort i was stretching the credibility of the technology at the time um but it was the early days of the internet so you know online blogs were quite were starting to become popular but there weren't many fictional ones so i did one that was entirely made up that was the guy would get into different situations every week often life-threatening um and it to me it was obviously it, it wasn't it wasn't the sort of humor that was intended to fool because yeah. it, to me it was it was obviously absurd but it, a lot of people took it on face value. There's a there's a theory on the internet early on that if it was written down, people believed it, and they really did. And that then it got really interesting because you were getting concerned people writing to me 
saying, you know, I live, I live in, near this area in Borneo. Could, could I offer you some shelter? Um, <laughs> I had to sort of apologize and say, no, I, I live in Lancashire. And this was just a joke. Uh, and that got the attention of some media at the time. I did a few local interviews and had a laugh and it was ha ha ha. Isn't this funny that people believed it? And, and Greg Dyke was a fan. Um, so I got a job writing for the BBC at the time. Oh, wow. Uh, which was just awesome. Um, BBC Shropshire um, took me on at first, and I did a weekly thing for them for a few years. And from that, weird, like, as soon as people hear BBC, you know, it's it's credibility. Yeah, 100, oh, 100%. It's like ABC and stuff over in America. Like, that's like a pretty big thing over there. So, like, if, if you turn around and said, oh, I wrote for ABC in America, you'd be like, oh, wow. Like yeah, and, like and it's all nonsense, you know. It's it's absolute nonsense. It's, there's plenty of better writers than me at the time, but just that one being in the right place at the right time led to all sorts of things. And I ended up doing um, movies and and plays and radio from just from that one one person liked reading something I'd done online. I actually oh, do. Like... I do a screenwriting course, and I always start with that that story. I say, you know, this this is how I got into writing and the best advice you can possibly give to anyone that wants to break into anything is just do it, you know, make a film, draw a comic, write a book, because eventually someone will see it. And if you're lucky, it'll lead to other things. But if you've got nothing to show people, then the amount of people that try and break into an industry by just wanting to break into the industry. (laughs) When you say, obviously, back then, people used to believe what they seen on the internet. I think they still do. Like, not to be that guy, but you'll see someone that's like, for instance, like they might have like a few symptoms of something and then they'll Google it and they've got like the most horrific thing ever just because they've Googled it and seen it on the internet. Well, that's 100% me. I had to avoid doing that. Like, I'm very much, if I've got a cold, I've got a cold, I'm not going to go on the internet and see what possibly else could be I don't I've, myself had, I've had COVID 17 times now but I, not really <laughs> I, just, I just keep every time I get a cold or a cough I think oh I no that's COVID. it <laughs> yeah. no I shouldn't I should, I should, I should, I should board the windows off uh, is it no, too soon no. are we not allowed to do any COVID jokes I think I guess, I guess no like, I think everyone else has now like there's too many jokes about it these days like let's be honest it is, it is what it is it's uh, can't do nothing about it these days it's gone beyond be joking about it, yeah. It's, it's a bit tired of it all by now. So yeah, it, that that's, that was that, and that led to all sorts of things. Um, Obviously, I know you also, uh, from experience, you do comic book commissions. Uh, I don't know if I'm right in saying, I don't know if it's right or wrong, if I, if I remember this correctly. Uh, obviously, when I met you in Bradford and I did that like small interview, and I remember talking to you, I'm pretty sure you said that you actually did some work for DC, if I'm right. No, I, I'm not really. Only um, only on commissions on DC properties privately. Um, like, I've, I've literally worked on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of Legion of Superhero cover commissions. But I've never done an official Legion of Superheroes cover. Have you ever done, like, any official, like, Marvel covers or anything like that. Uh, I got my oh, name right. on a She-Hulk cover, but I don't think we can count that. Um, well, you, yeah, you could. You could count that. It's, it's still on. Uh. I, I do have lots of friends that are much more legitimate than I am, um, and I, 
John John Watson is a, is a good friend, and he did a he did a She Hulk cover, and in the, at the bottom of it it says Watson and Payne because I did the She Hulk's holding a, a comic, and I helped mock up the comic that she's holding. Oh, okay. No, that's cool. That's my. I think that's my one official Marvel credit. <laughs> it's better than nothing, Clara. Right? I, I don't, I don't think, think we can really really that. count it now. Um, and my wife appears on a Silent War cover as the Invisible no Woman. No way. That's really cool. Actually, I was I was the um, have you, you know, I can't even remember the names of the characters, which is slightly sad. There's a really fat character that drinks a lot. Um. Mm. <laughs> I know I can't remember the names. Yeah, 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 I was I was him on a on a cover once as well. Um, do, that, do but for working um for going to comic conventions and working at the Jack Kirby Museum, I know a lot of people that work for Marvel and DC. But no, I've never really. Never so really you know when like so say for instance you were to do like a comic book cover and there's like a crowd in the background. Do you ever just like put people that you know in the background? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, the, the, do a lot of people do that? Everyone does. Yeah, we would. That's so weird. If, never, once you, once you, it's it funny. Out. Once you know people, and you you um you know them personally, you start recognizing the relatives in the back of comics all the time. <laughs> um, but my mate John appears in a lot of comics. He did um the Civil War Frontline comics okay. you ever see though there's, yeah, yeah. there's a there's a cover where spidey's taking his mask off because at, at the time in continuity he um he, he he said to the whole world i'm spider-man and peter parker took his mask off and it's 100 percent john's face on on peter parker <laughs> i why why wouldn't you take the opportunity yeah to... why not like if, if you yeah. get away with it like but all good artists use use reference so you use reference of people you know alex ross in um in Marvels, you know, every face you see in that is someone he knows. I think in the in the back of it, some of the photos in the collector's edition, you can see the reference that he originally took. So yeah, the secret is to be related to a really famous comic artist, and then you're in every cover because you I happen to I, be stood around when he's doing the drawings. I think I need to get in there with the with the whole um, find a really big comic artist that's currently doing. Stuff get married to Jim Lee, and it'd be sorted. Yeah, I can't do that. Becky will murder me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I think it's, but yeah. Um, yeah. Reference um, is, is important. A lot of the work I do isn't isn't the penciling, though. A lot of the work I do is just the, the colouring and the titling and the lettering. So how long do you roughly take? Like, so say, for, obviously, you did a lot of the... You've done a lot of uh, Legion of Superhero stuff. Like, how long would it take you to, like, finish one of them, like, usually? Well, with the... There's a the Legion of Superhero stuff is a is a single collector that must have broken records by now. Is he's had a run of of getting on for about a thousand covers. Oh, wow. I think it's I think it's up to about six or seven hundred. On there's a site called Comic Art Fans where a lot of collectors post commissions. So there's a there's a big sort of underground industry of people getting their own comic covers commissioned. Um, and and this guy's an enormous Legion fan. And he, he makes up the stories and he takes comic covers that already exist and puts Legion characters into them. I mean, I was actually sat what doing one just when you called. Um, so he'll often send me the the pencils and the inks. Yeah. They've already been done. And I'll just be digitally tinkering with it to make it look more like a comic cover. So I'll, okay. um, I'll take the original cover 
and and map out so it, it sits in the same place and then put the titles and the dc logo on and and then whatever blurb he's given me i'll i'll redo in the in the style of the original cover um some of them require a bit more work some of them i'll color some of them i'll actually sort of draw a little bit extra in and change things on it but this isn't just one artist this is dozens and dozens of different artists working on it um i just have my hand in each cover it's like, yeah, you've just got like, like your small... The real, like, yeah. the real talents are the people. Yeah. <laughs> you just get to finish everyone else's work off on. I've done a lot, got to know a lot of artists that way. Trevor um, Von Eden did for the Infinite Timelines commissions. Yeah. He did a run of, I think, 106 consecutive covers, oh, which wow. is more than more than most artists will ever do. I think with the, with the exception of maybe Kirby on Fantastic Four, there's not, not many artists stay on the same title for that long. Um, which is a shame, I think, because it takes a while to, you know, to get to know characters and get the reference, and you, you're five or six issues in before you really got a feel for something. Um, so that was great. Trevor was doing Dark Side um, appeared in a lot of them because there was a Legion of Superheroes story called the Great Darkness Saga, where Dark Side appeared quite a lot. He was like the main bad guy in it. So, if you were to recommend a comic to like someone who's new to comics where would you tell them to go first like where, oh, where would you man. where, where do you, I'll, I'll let you pick five comics top well I'm a, I'm a big kirby fan so um you, you'd have to start with probably the fantastic force or the surfer galactus run yeah. um it, dep- it would depend on who the person was as well i mean I, I said to you before i don't i don't read a lot of modern, modern comics yeah um I know it's a cliche, but I'd say Watchmen is a if if this person was a bit older. I really older, enjoy Watchmen. To be fair, I, I, Watchmen to me is the Citizen Kane of of comics. I don't think we've ever really had a better story told in comics. It works on so many levels. You can, Watchmen, you can go back and and read again and again and spot new things. Um, no, no, I, I get where you're coming from. No, hundred percent. I mean, did you know that you probably do know this? But did you know that the the middle issue, I think, of Watchmen is um, it's called Fearful Symmetry, and the entire issue is symmetrical. You open the middle. I didn't page, actually know that. You know, I'm not open, gonna lie. To... Open the middle spread, and and it's it's quite obviously a sort of mirror image. The the way the but then every page, if you start doing that, every page in some way mirrors each other, and it's so oh, clever, wow. and you you wouldn't notice it for the fourth time round. Um, I guess no one had noticed until you've actually like been told as well. Like, obviously, like when when I'm reading like comics and that, like I, I'm pretty sure I just said when I'm watching comics, but I'm oh, I might just well, my head. Kinda, when I'm reading when I'm do, reading yeah. comics and that, um, I'm very much. Oh, it wouldn't be something that I'd notice. Like, I don't pick stuff like that up. For some reason, like it's probably just the way my mind works. But well, most comics don't think. have that level of most comics you can flick through. In, oh, hundred um, percent. In five minutes, and and probably get most out of it. But but Watchmen is it just works on many levels. There's a lovely there's all these bit in Watchmen where I think issue three or four, the the, the two of the characters are are sat in the diner, and in the window in the background that you wouldn't notice when you were reading the comic particularly, but in the window in the background, Rorschach walks past and puts something in a bin. Um, or is it a mailbox? It might be his diary in a mailbox. And then later on in another issue, you see the scene from his point of view, and and again the background is a diner, and it's just it's a level of 
detail you just don't get in comics very often. And the first time you notice that is a lovely sort of light bulb moment in the comic. But I think Lee, Lee stays as well. Obviously, we were talking about this earlier. Like, I think comics these days are like they're very much filled with advertisements, stuff like that. Um, compared to like obviously the older comics, like obviously you had like the middle page and back page really, and that was mainly it for. And the adverts used to be a lot better then. as well. You used to get really good Twinkies adverts. And... Yeah, like cut this thing out and send it in, and you'll get something delivered to you and stuff like that. Like stuff like that. Like oh, it's so good. Yeah, look, that, I love it. it like that. Yeah, just pr- proper old you, adverts. But no, it's just. But it's yeah, it's coming on Netflix. It's just what's and coming it, out in the It was cinema. always a, it was always American comics that had like lists of yeah. things you couldn't get, X-ray specs and that. Did you see the one for the cardboard submarine that you could? Um... No. Yeah, you you ordered <laughs> there was a, a mail order submarine and it came sort of flat packed and it was basically just cardboard box. But as a kid, it. as a kid, it was something I wanted so badly. I, I think I, I think I still want it now. Yeah. Just to say, that's like, where comics are going wrong. Full... But you're right. Think... Adverts are boring now. Oh, they are. It's just Netflix and stuff like that now. These and days. they take and up like... take up fifty percent of the comics, so you you feel like you're paying three ninety nine for some glossy adverts. Well, that's the thing. Like, if it's not Netflix, it'll be like, oh, we're bringing out a magazine where you can get a full chess set of all your favorite superheroes that you have to pay two ninety nine for your first issue and then a tenner for the rest. It's like who buys those? Know. I mean you end up spending four hundred quid on a chess set. So I, I you, you so could buy a really nice chess set for four hundred quid. You know when they so Back to the Future did did it as well with the DeLorean where you could yeah, build you the DeLorean. To, you had like a, a kit so, that you got you got like a hubcap for three ninety nine. My friend actually did the full thing. Man. Do you know how much it cost him? Oh that four grand was it two how much grand. was it? Two grand. Yeah, crazy, it lights up and it? everything. Lights you up and buy everything. An, buy an it's heavy. DeLorean for two grand. It's heavy. Dra- really it heavy. Like it's a, it's about. I know no one else can see this apart from us, but it's, it's about that big. So it's it's pretty. I mean, big. I'm sure it's lovely, but it's not too grand. It's, it, lovely, it's but... heavy and it lights up. But I suppose part, part of it is so. the experience of getting it every week and building it, but it's just it's a yeah. massive rip off. Hey, kids, if you're listening, don't buy those. Like, a waste of time. <laughs> Say if, say if it was like for instance like three quid like an issue I'd be fine with that but when when they do it where it's like oh I'm going to tie about a tenner, isn't it yeah one ninety nine for the first issue yeah right. that's where like you try and get you in but then they'll be like oh it's tenner for like if it wasn't a tenner for the next of them I'd be, and it was like three quid I'd be like that's fine but I'm not going to spend a tenner on each issue just to get a magazine that's probably got everything I already know in it and like a small piece to one day probably never complete it. I love I how we like, started on comics and this is where we're now, now we're here. What were we saying <laughs> earlier, were we, that people, if you want to read a, a long event now, a crossover event, and it's 50, 40 issues. Yeah, you, like you're spending loads these significant. days. I used to spend like 15p on a comic and it was, that was part of, that was something I could afford. As a kid, I could go into news agents and I'd have 50p pocket money. I could buy three comics. I guess if you're not that bothered about having like the collections and you just want like a comic to read, you're not bothered like what issue it is. Uh, Forbidden Planet actually do something pretty cool where you get like literally four random comics in like a blind bag for like one pound fifty. That's like, great. That, that, that's pretty good. Like, want, but most like, kids don't live anywhere like near. There's there's no comic shops near me. I think there's one in Blackpool um, that I haven't I've been got, to for a long I've time. I've got one in one in uh, not like the town centre near me, but like it's like twenty thirty minute bus drive from me. I've got one there. There used to be two, but the other one closed down, which my friend owned. Um, 
but yeah, I've got to like forbidden, forbidden planet, and that's about it. Apart from that, like you don't see them anymore. Um, obviously you see like the whole gamer cafe thing starting to like take off and stuff like that, where they all play like Warhammer and stuff like that. But you don't really see much for like the comic enthusiasts anymore, as much as you used to. Yeah, they are out there, lately, but it must be hard to hard. stay afloat now. Oh, I've, I've met a few guys in comic cons that own like um there's close encounters down um in northampton that, that are great the proper comic fans and they have an upstairs that has like back issues and if every town had a shop like that it'd be fantastic but, I love it. but, but they don't I think it's... for like obviously well obviously when i grew up like i used to read comics and that but like i think kids these days are more bothered about playing on the xbox um going out with the friends being on the phones like that's Basically, like kids these it's, days. It's all about it's the very, TikTok now, isn't it? Oh, don't get, I hate TikTok so much. I, I just like, I've never hated an app so much in my life. It's I need just to get so annoying. Deviant and Parker on TikTok, don't I? That'll be a like, oh, big yeah. fortune. Get Shazam on there and everything. You've yeah. started. <laughs> Parkour videos everywhere. My uh, my mate Daryl's going to be very excited that Shazam got a shout out on this. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I think because, like, obviously. We, we were talking like obviously usually when doing podcasts and that you usually get asked the same questions and i'm very much like if i if i wanted to ask you like no those questions i'll just go to some other podcast where i can just listen to it and sit here and talk to you about stuff like literally I, we, we sat here like for like half an hour before we even started this just talking absolute crap this is what the public want but it, references like, to, thing, to like, 1990s youtube videos that's what like, the public wants yeah why not like i'm very much just talk about what you want like talk about your work like stuff like that obviously i got you as a guest to talk about like what you're doing and like what you've done in the past and that but like i'm very much i'd rather sit here and like just have like a normal conversation with someone than make it very serious and then just like drill questions at you a question after question after question it's like i'm very much too laid back for that <laughs> well it's not you do get the same questions a lot i mean you, you get that in any interview don't you? Your you watch... influences please yeah. tell me you watch jonathan ross they have the the same kind of anecdotes wheeled yeah. out for every it's the, it's the same with any like horse type type of thing, but I'm very much I'm not going to do that. But I, I, to be honest, actually, I'm going to ask you now just to get out of the way. Who is who's your comic book influence? Like, who come apart from, apart from Jack Kirby? Because I know you're going to say it. Well, I'm more of a writer, really. So my my influences tend to be writers. Um, okay. Like like most fans, you know, you start out thinking I'd love to draw a comic, and then you meet lots of people that can draw better than you. Um, like Alan Moore started out drawing and writing, and Alan Moore's actually quite a good artist. Um, I can't draw that well, but but decided you know there's there's just a if you want to get an idea out there, it's a lot easier to get someone else to to draw it for you. It's a tremendous amount. One thing that that really cements in your mind after you've tried it a few times is the tremendous amount of work it takes to to write and draw a comic. It's it's months and months of work. If you're going to pencil it, ink it, letter it, and colour it, um, so I admire the people that can do that. I mean, I, I some of Frank Miller's works awesome because he does all of that. Um, although obviously, you know, his, his earlier stuff, the the stuff that really blows me away. Um, but writer wise, Douglas Adams, Neil Gaiman, um, Clifford E. Simak, I'm a big fan of A. Van Vogt. Uh, Isaac Asimov, Ray Bradbury, all the sort of... I'm a big 1950s science fiction 
nerd. No, that's that's, that's so, understandable. That's, uh, to be that's fair, kind like, of. I can't understand where you're coming from. Like, obviously, writing. I'm not discrediting anyone, but I think like a lot of like the movies that like and like the stuff that's written like these days is very much similar to one another. If you get me, if you get if you get where I'm coming, like you'll see yeah, like, a lot of, the same down a lot of stories and that these days, but it's just different characters sometimes. I found in lockdown because it's been a it's been a year of spending an awful lot of time with time on your hands. I've been watching a lot more films. I've been watching a lot more old films. Um, the the stuff that was made in the 40s and 50s, even the 30s, was so much more highbrow. And so the the writing was so much better. And the subject matter they covered was so much more diverse. Um, you've probably never seen it, but at the time it was a big hit. There was a film called Hobson's Choice with um, Charles Lawton and John Mills. The, no, I've never very, watched it. A very young Prunella Scales. It's black and white and you probably never will. But never it's not, a great um... film. To be fair, I always ask, I'm always asking uh, Mike for, Mike Quinn for like movie suggestions, and he's he, he very much suggests like black and white films a lot. So you never I, know. I can't I, I can't emphasize enough. And Billy Wilder was a, an amazing screenwriter, and his every line in his films is, is crafted in the same way that you know if if you read a Douglas Adams book, he used to agonize over every paragraph. Whereas movies now tend to be quite dumb. There's a lot of hey, get out of the way, quick run. Um, there's there's not a great deal of character development or depth or or movement. Often the character at the start of the film is the same character at the end of the film. There's not a lot of change. Um, Hobson's Choice, briefly, is about a man that makes shoes. It's about a cobbler. And it's it's a bloke that has three daughters um, and he's part of the temperance movement. He's he's against alcohol, but he also drinks. Yeah. Um, and John Mills is like lives is one of these three workers and he treats him like a slave and treats him badly. John Mills can't read or write, but he's an excellent shoemaker. Oh, and he man. literally he's under a trap door at the start of the and, and you walk in, he bangs on the trap door and you lift it up and John Mills is like sat in darkness making shoes. And throughout throughout the film, all the characters change. And by the end of the film, everything's turned on its head. And John Mills is a bit, learns to read and write, gains his confidence. The Charles Lawton character gets nearly gets um, sent away for drunk, being drunk and disorderly. One of his daughters marries John Mills. None of this probably sounds very interesting to someone that's into, into comics and superheroes, but the the storytelling in that is is more interesting than most modern superhero comics, which is odd because you'd think a, a story about a man that can fly and has lasers coming out of his eyes would be more interesting. But the, the only comics I'm really interested in are the ones that do have that character development and do have that more interesting depth to it. And I, I think a lot of people slag off Jack Kirby's writing. I think it it was really interesting, the sort of the the mythical epic stuff that he did in New Gods. Yeah, some of the dialogue might have been a bit clunky, but the story was fantastic. Um, it it borrowed from because he was a big Jack Kirby was a big fan of fifties science fiction and the pulp magazines and. The, and the, the classic stories of sons and fathers and relationships are what uh, what make you relate to a story. If Batman's parents weren't killed, you know, he wouldn't have that motivation. And that the stories that, that cover his relationship with Robin and, you know, and, and when a, a character gets married or dies, or that's what you relate to in your own life. So that's what becomes interesting. And an awful lot of comics I read now are basically just a car chase. Oh, 100%. Like... And a lot of films are basically just a chase. Someone's running after someone. And, or it's a love story. 
then they don't catch them, and then they might fall in love with them. And then they'll catch them for a second, and then they're like, actually, I'll let you off. Even love stories tend to be very much that small section of life where you meet someone, you have that rope, you fancy them, they don't fancy you, you chase them for a bit, and by the end of the film, you kiss, and the camera spins around, the couple kissing, and then the credits roll. <laughs> and that and you, once you've seen that a hundred times, you don't you don't want to see it again. You want to see yeah. interesting stories. So I'm interested in stories. Actual that's that's stories. kind of what got me into writing. Telling stories yeah, so... are a bit different. Black and white films is where it's at, Joe. Like, I don't mind black and white films. Don't get me wrong, but I think because obviously I I grew. Up... It's weird because like obviously I was born up so basically I was born in '94, so like I had. Oh, now you make me feel so old. So, I was in the middle of everything, so I didn't have the internet, and I kind of, like, grew up into the internet. Uh, I grew up with cassette tapes, but then we kind of evolved into CDs as I got older. So, I was kind of, like, in the middle of, like, that that type of um, area, which is a bit weird, because, like, obviously, if if you speak to, like, a kid... And you ask him about dial-up, I'll have no clue what that is. Like, do you remember? Do you remember having dial-up? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, I was on. Um, I, I I'm old enough to remember having to get a phone, an analog phone, and put it in the the dock to to get on a Usenet board. It's it was so weird. You're about um, as old as the internet, are you? Ninety four. Yeah, ninety four. Yeah, ninety four. Ninety five was kind of the the birth, yeah, birth of the World Wide Web, wasn't it? Yeah, which is obviously it's, it's cool. Don't get me wrong, but like. I think this is totally off topic to what we've just been talking about. I just noticed this, but um, a lot of people, like kids these days, don't like they, they take everything very much for granted. But yeah, um, it, my you, you've you've been born into a, a weird time. You've seen yeah, it. Yeah, I've been in the. You were there at the very birth of kind of the electronic age, and, yeah. and now you've seen kids be born into it, and and just absolutely they grow up with an iPad. It's off because like literally, yeah, like you see like a two year old with like. An iPhone 11 or something like. Even I don't I have know. an iPhone. 11. I am. Um, I, when I was a when I was a teenager or growing up, I didn't have a phone. We didn't even have a house phone. I got my first mobile when I was 11. To um, be fair, I only got my first mo- mobile phone about four years ago, so I'm. Very I was behind. Like, I was behind the times. To be fair, I think I could go without one. The only reason I've got one is in case, obviously, I need to ring someone. Like, if I'm out and you need to ring someone, that's the only way I needed it. But, like, obviously, because I've got it, I go on Facebook, I go on Twitter. Oh, but that's just a, I mean, that's fundamentally changed the way that people think. And 100%. They're, they're used to a Twitter and Facebook is like a quick two-minute injection of, of stimulus, and there's no... There's long-term media. Like, I, I like epic poetry. Milton's Paradise Lost takes I'll do a reading of it recently it's eight and a half hours long Damn. and that wouldn't be a big hit on tiktok would it it wouldn't it, no it wouldn't fit it would have to be eight thousand tiktok videos in and <laughs> uh, uh, no one would listen to it and but there's where you your real depth and storytelling is and now people just want they want a, a quick fix of emotional burst of of a funny video or a funny story and then you want to move on to the next thing 30 seconds later yeah i can't do that but most people, that's what a lot of me, I guess that's why films are like they are now. The yeah, 100%. Catering to that short attention span generation. 
Cause I'm like, sounding more like, and more like an old man. Now. No, no, because if you think about like uh, stuff like Lord of the Rings and stuff like that, that's like what over two hours long, like stuff like that. But for movies these days, like I'm surprised. Obviously, obviously we're talking about like just like, Zack Snyder's Justice League. That's four hours long. I, I'm very surprised they didn't do that in parts. Because um, obviously, with everyone's it was, attention, wasn't spent, it good though? It kept my. Oh, I, I sat down. I sat down to watch it with my wife actually, and and it was a it was a bit of a oh, four hours. Okay. But that's and the thing. Two hours in, I was like, "Should we turn it off now?" And no, she was into it. We were both into it. We wanted to watch it till the end, so we we watched the whole thing in one go. It was great. What I loved about it is that, like, obviously the original. Don't I know a lot of people bash the like the original cut. Uh, personally, I didn't mind it. I enjoyed it. Um, not as it much as great. not 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 as much as Zack Snyder's cut, but. The thing I loved about it is like you had more of a backstory on like the Flash, Cyborg stuff like that. Um, it was Cyborg they really fleshed out, wasn't it? That, that yeah, hundred really percent. Well. So I met, met the guy that played Cyborg a couple of times at cons, and he was mildly cheesed off, I think, at the time that he'd been. But he's a really nice guy, and that that was like his big break, and he just got he got shafted. Ray Fisher, I think. It yeah, was, if I'm right. Yeah, a really nice kid, um, um, and he got shafted by the whole process really because the the version of him in the snyder cut is just so much more likable oh, interesting 100 because you see like kind of like a darker side of cyborg in the original cut where he's like i hate everything don't like you all stuff like that and but by the end of the film it's a bit like what i was saying there's a journey you know cyborg oh, at the start of the film and cyborg at the end of the film is a different character and that's that's kind of what's interesting so obviously like scrolling through like facebook after the snyder cut had came out um I've seen a few statuses, people like bashing the, the whole like the Flash saving uh, Iris West situation. They were like, "Well, that's not the original story. That's not what it's like in in the TV show. They already knew each other, they grew up with each other, and stuff like that." It's like, yeah, the but, TV uh, show is nothing but, like the comics, is it? Well, that's the thing. Like, how many different universes is there? Like, for instance, like there's an alternate universe, like so many alternate universes in DC and Marvel. It's, it's just an alternate universe. That's why, the original like the TV show Flash didn't get is is not the Flash in the in the Snyder film. It's funny because cause I, it's thought the, I thought the I thought the Snyder universe. version was was a bit of a nod to the TV show. Um, because obviously Iris and, oh, and Barry so are a middle aged white couple in the comics, and they he, grow old together, and it's nice. He is in like the the both are in an episode of. The Flash TV show, like he goes oh, into the, the Flash the TV show. Not, you know, I, yeah. actually, I actually really like the Flash TV series, but I, I think I only got to season three and I haven't watched anymore. But I am you know, aware well, that the crossover. It's so weird because, like, when I've mentioned this to other people, like, like the Flash, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, I only got a season three or season four and then just everyone stopped after that. There must have been some really bad episodes in season three. You know what killed it for me was there was a. And I'm I'm going back a few years now, but they, they reversed time a few times. Like he he saved his mom, and then he let his mom die, and I think he saved his mom again. And then I think by the fourth or fifth reset of time, I just got sick of it. I thought how how many more times is he going to go back and and retcon the entire timeline? No, I don't stop. It was, it was one too yeah. many times for me. I, I yeah. just never watched it again. I think, but yeah, like the whole people like slagging off like. They just asleep because of the iris thing. Like, if you're that much of a fan, you should know that there's alternate universes too, like DC and Marvel, where like other things happen. So you can't be cheesed off about it because 
it is what it is. Like you didn't write the story. Couldn't, I can't it, see you. It's funny it's how people like don't seem to look into the the history of things anymore. Exactly. I know Brian Hitch has had some grief off people for copying the Avengers films, which is crazy because he he drew Nick Fury as Samuel L. Jackson many years before the Avengers film was made, and people are like, why are you ripping off the film? And uh, like a a cursory internet search <laughs> to tell to tell you that you've been an idiot when you say things like that. Yeah, I think like. But that's the thing, like, a lot of people might look on the internet, but then, like, for instance, to, like, go to something that, like, is not, like, not a reliable source, like, for instance, like, Wikipedia is not 100% reliable, stuff like that. Um, it's about 40% reliable. Sorry. Yeah. It, oh, off topic for a second. This is so, did you ever hear about the guy that actually, spe- like, he's edited so many articles on it, it's like 40,000 articles or something. No. So is he, doing, is he doing it to wind people up? No, no, he does it for free, and he like gets like actual accurate information and like edits like Wikipedia pages and that. Oh, for good free. for him! Just that's that's his thing. Is, isn't that how Wikipedia works? It's all yeah, yeah. So like, I, so for instance, like I could make a page for this podcast on Wikipedia if I wanted to, and they just they'd publish it. Not that I'd do that. That's a bit weird, but I thought they had some sort of. Um... You know, you I think have it to, goes. I think it you goes have, to have notable to sources to get it on. Yeah, I've got a notable source. I'll I'll tell you Spotify. why I know this, <laughs> because Jim Templeton used to have a Wikipedia page. Oh really? And he doesn't anymore. So someone <laughs> someone took it down at some point. I know you've got one. Yes, I have. I've got a Wikipedia, but I'm, I exist, whereas Jim didn't. And I think yeah, at, some, no, I at some point someone took took um didn't merge it with my page or anything. They just decided it wasn't a notable enough person to have a page and it went i'm actually gonna get yours up now i haven't looked at mine for a long time i'm not sure i want to i know it's not not right bibliography uh see i've just searched russell payne wikipedia and i've got a footballer no i've got you if you've i put comic after it and it came up with you Oh, so for like hey, references, it's got like BBC Shropshire. There's a photo of me on there. Didn't used to be a photo of me. Mill Award winners. Yeah. 2004. Jack Kirby Talk Part One. 2012 Cardiff Comic Con and Animation Expo. Ooh. Um, that's quite. It's like not a lot, and then it goes through your. Pen so names. who does all this? Who puts all these in? I don't know. I don't have a clue. You can't. You can't edit yours. I think. Oh so good. You can edit external links, references. Oh no, you can. I can edit personal life if I wanted to, bibliography, but I can't edit like the actual thing that says Russell Payne is an English writer and artist, author of humour, science fiction, and fantasy short stories and novels, weblogs, graphic novels, comics, and films. <laughs> That's a long sentence. Who wrote that then? I'd love to know who wrote that. It was you, wasn't it? No, I'm joking. It's also got a website on it called rabid.1uk.com. That, that's a... That's a... No, can't find the server. Oh, yeah. That used to be my old website years ago. And now it, it does have a link to your personal website. Yeah, I, I used to use a... I have a blog now. Still, yeah. It's still on there. It's got your writing on music videos. So yeah. you, now I feel self-obsessed looking at this. I mean, it's, it's mostly I've, 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 have you never Have you never Googled yourself before? Oh, of course I have. Yeah, I've, I have looked at my Wikipedia page, not but not for, lie, not for a long time. I know I'm not like 
No, I've no cheap. I've googled myself before just just because it was funny, wasn't it? Like I've 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 put my name in Twitter before, see what comes up, and I don't know. It's uh, yeah. I, I mean, I've I've appeared in the papers in the past, and sometimes you just you just get annoyed with when I was in with college. the inaccuracies. <laughs> when I was, uh, in college, I was in the paper for a few times, and then um, when was it? I think it was like two thousand. Was this for a bad reason, Joe? Do I, no, 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 no. Because I used to a story so, here. So in college, I used to be a student ambassador. So I used to be like, I don't even know how to put it. So like one of the faces of the college for for a while. Uh, for like a year, and we had like a little, not it's not a convention thing, but, um, so every week we'd have like something new down in like the reception area, and that where there'd be like people would come in and be like, oh look, you can see what it feels like to be drunk by putting on these goggles and stuff like that. The drunk goggles. Yeah, stuff like that, and because um, obviously I used to like help out in that. Uh, the paper was there for some reason, and there's now a picture of me in the Evening Gazette, where I live. Um, and then in 2000... Would you rather this didn't exist? From, the, from your tone oh, of voice, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm getting the feeling yeah. that you'd just like to delete it from the, the internet. So, like, no one knows my last name. Like, well, pe- well, obviously, people know my last name, like, my friends and that. Um, but um, on Facebook, there's, like, three Facebook accounts of mine. Obviously, the one I've got now, and then two of my old ones which I can't delete and it makes me so sad because they've got such <laughs> embarrassing photos on there why can't you delete them I thought you could on I'm not on Facebook so, but so that's I'm, the thing like if I, I know I have accounts it doesn't like me because I don't remember my passwords okay. and that so yeah. if I could get in contact with Facebook and say delete them I probably would but I can't but it is what it is this is totally off topic I know but this is what it is isn't it um <laughs> And, well, going back to what you about you being born in the nineties, I think that's that's in some ways the curse of your generation because 100%. any kids any kids that are born sort of nineties onwards, their whole lives on the internet. I mean, none of my baby photos are on the internet; they're all in black and white, and you know, at mum's house. Whereas, mine, mine if your mum if your mum's got Instagram now, your entire life is documented from the moment you're born beforehand. Even your scans online. <laughs> yeah, so that, it's, that's it's a bit weird. I would really wouldn't like that. I often think yeah. that when I see these reality TV shows, and it's they include the kids in it when the kids are oh, four yeah. and five, and they yeah. do something embarrassing, and it's it's there and it's there in the internet forever. So they're gonna be like twenty year old and be like, do you remember when you did this when you were yeah. four years old on TV where everyone's seen it? It's like, oh, I'm alright, thanks. I don't want to remember. I mean, it's, it's bad enough me having that parkour video on YouTube, you know, but <laughs> but as as compared to twenty years of you baby photos that, being online, that's fine. I could have needed a password for the YouTube account, but oh. yeah, I don't know how you live with that. It must be awful. I guess 100%. in some ways you got away with it because ninety-five. It's not like your parents had Instagram, but it's worse for kids nowadays. No, but my mum has put photos of me when I was younger on Facebook. Uh, you should be able to see her. Uh, I don't. I I didn't have my mum on Facebook for quite some time, just because obviously when you post online, I don't want my mum commenting on it. It's a bit weird, and all my mates will take take the mick out of me. It was a lot easier being a teenager when I was a teenager. In the eighties, you could do anything, and no one knew about it. I think what I miss, what I miss the most is, so say for instance, you wanted to go out with your mates, like you didn't message them over Facebook, like you literally go around the house knocking down, like you're coming out, and then when they said no, you had to turn around and walk all the way back home. (laughs) 
<laughs> like stuff like that. Like you don't need to do it. You just text them, message them on Facebook, Twitter, stuff like that. It's not without its advantages, but I think there's more disadvantages to it than. Hundred percent. That's only because I'm old and I'm speaking as someone who watches black and white films and is full of nostalgia. The eighties were by far the best decade to be a teenager in. We had Back to the Future. We all thought we were Marty McFly. Did you, I, bet, I bet you used to dress up like Marty McFly, didn't you? Of course, of course we did. <laughs> Skate, skateboard and aviator sunglasses all the way. I've always wanted a replica of the actual Back to the Future, you know, the hoverboard. I'd love a replica of that. That would be nice. I'd love it. Just that. Like, Nike actually bought out the, the shoes that he wore. And all the futuristic they, ones. They did, yeah. You, I've been to a, I went to a con that had um, all the Back to the Future cast. One of the years of LSCC, and they had all the, the props in the film, DeLorean, the hoverboards and everything. Yeah, like the awesome. shoes like you could buy. It was awesome. Thousands. Absolute thousands. Like, Michael J. Dead. Fox's autobiography is really good, if you've, if you've ever, never read I them. haven't, but, actually. Is it an audio book? Can I get it in audio book? I forgot you only read, read comic. Is that, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'll, sure I'll, it is I'll an. I'm sure it is an audio book. I think he's written three. Um, oh, Lucky Man, I think was the first one. Uh, and the brilliant. It's about his, his battle with Parkinson's, and it. When he was doing Back to the Future Two, he had Parkinson's. Oh, really? um, and it, the it's amazing what he, what he's gone through. Really, I've got, I've got a sticker of the hoverboard though. Look at that. Oh, I want that. That's so cool. Have you, got, have you, have you just got like loads of stickers? Uh, funnily enough. So I, I, someone sent me a bunch of Back to the Future stickers. Really? Yeah. Why? Um, just a fan. Oh, uh, I think I was, I think I was talking to him at the convention, and I said I liked Back to the Future, and I did them a drawing, and then they sent me a lot of stickers, which was nice. This is a weird one for you. Do you, do you actually get like? Do you ever get fan mail? Yeah, I do occasionally. Not, not much. Um, I've, like I said, I go to, I go to conventions with people that are far more famous and talented than me. And I often sit next to people that... I sat next to Dan, Dan Slot. You know who Dan Slot is? Um, no. He, I, th- I think he's currently writing Fantastic Four. But he wrote, okay. he, wrote a, he wrote a really good run of Spider-Man. And he wrote a brilliant run of Silver Surfer. Uh, which I, I would recommend, actually. One of the few modern comics that I've, I've read all the way through. Um, Dan Slot's Silver Surfer run's really nice. To go back to the question I didn't answer before, what five comics would you uh, put that one on the list? Right. Um, I sat next. I sat next to Dan Slot, and he had a. I I was sat with no one in front of me, and Dan had a queue like going down the length of the convention, um, and he had time for everyone. Lovely bloke. He chatted to everyone and had loads of time for people, and he was getting pres. Every second or third person would bring a present. It was like the no gifts to the shrine of Dan. It was awesome. He got cupcakes and people had knitted things for him and it, it was nice. So when, when you get to a certain level, fans want to show appreciation. Although I would say eating the things that they bait for you is a bit of a risk. Yeah, I guess it depends, I've heard, I guess. I've heard awful stories about that. but um, Really? Yeah, I kind of want to know now. <laughs> Come on, you can't you can't Just, do that to us. Uh, you know, I'll give I'll give you the PG version. Things yeah, like fa- fans putting biological items of their own in the Oop. in in the food. That's <laughs> mean. Yeah, it is. It isn't nice, is it? Why would you want to do that? I, I think people. I may have had a couple of people that have have made me feel a little bit nervous, but for the most part. I'm, I, I don't work. That's a good reason for using pseudonyms, you know, that you don't want people to become obsessed with you. Um, 
there's a certain sort of fan that can just cross the boundaries a bit. That's mean, that. Why would you want to put someone like, oh. Yeah, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be eating that. No, all right, thanks. Bit weird, that, though. You put him, put him, put him, like, stuff in your... Yeah, I'm not going to go into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, I wouldn't... But if it was a, if it was a non-edible item, oh, I accept all gifts. Oh, and it's okay. always, it's always nice. So I often do, like, I'll, I'll don't give away stuff at cons. I'll do free drawings and I'll give away comics and things and... I knew I had something, right? You're going to hear a little bit of a racket, but that's fine. Are you going to dig something out from the archives? Yeah, from you. Uh, where did I put it? I had it yesterday. Because I was going to put it back up. Were you going to frame it and put it on the wall and pretend it was always there? It's already framed. It was already framed. I can't remember where I put it now. I had it yesterday. What it is, it's so precious to you, you've put it in a very safe place. It's going to annoy me now. Because it was like here yesterday. It was a drawing that I got off you. It's going to annoy me now. So what was it of? Found it. This works a lot better on video than it does as a podcast. Oh, 100%. It's Edit out the dirty. five minutes of rummaging. It's a bit, the frame's a bit dirty. But, but do you remember giving me that? Oh, yes. it was. That's see? a Jack Kirby. Um, yeah, see? Frame postcard. It needs, uh, needs cleaning that. For people who don't know, it was a drawing. Oh, who, who's it a drawing? I don't even know it was a drawing of now. It looks very it's much like done. a cyborg, but it's not. No, I think it was, um, he did a, a sort of series of drawings for the NFL that were like sort of futuristic um, football players. So imagining what American football would like in 100 years' time. These are like watercolours of sort of godlike superhero football players. And that's, that's one of them. Speaking of Jack Kirby, the Jack Kirby Museum. Let's talk Thanks. about that. <laughs> Nice segue. Yes, see see that. That was good, that one. So, so, you know, I was talking about Maurice Telford before, the BBC thing. At the time, I was on a um, like a a user group. You you remember Usenet? Like, they used to have Alt Dot Jack Kirby and Alt Dot Prince. Yeah. I mean, I say, do you remember? This is perhaps before your time. Do you remember? (laughs) Before the internet was like it is now, you used to have chat rooms where you would just have text lists and it would be a way of talking about a subject. Um, the first one I ever saw was alt.wesleycrusher.die.die.die which was a, a it was a Usenet group dedicated to people that hated Will Wheaton. That's the, that's the sort of thing. But it used, to be, it used to be niche and there was a Jack Kirby one and on the Jack Kirby group um, yeah. at the time, and we're, we're probably going back to the 90s now, um, anyone that was a proper on the internet and a proper Jack Kirby fan sort of gravitated towards it. And some of the people on it, you know, knew Jack Kirby or had worked with Jack Kirby. Greg Theakston was on it, um, who was Jack Kirby's assistant in his later years. Dick Ayers was on it, who was Jack Kirby's Inca for many years. Um, and I was on it, and so were a bunch of other people. And I got one of those guys was a Maurice T- Telford fan, but also a Hollywood screenwriter. And that's how I got all my work in the States. We started writing together and ended up doing movies, and it was awesome. Um, mm. But but I stayed on the the Jack Kirby alt dot group and through that kind of got to know 
I don't think the museum was even set up when I first started looking at it. Um, and through that, I got to know some of the guys that ran the museum and became the unofficial ambassador in the UK for the, the Jack Kirby Museum. Um, started doing talks about Jack Kirby. And until COVID hit, that, that was... Um, that was something I really enjoyed doing, just yeah. just promoting promoting the work of Jack Kirby. Because, like I said, we said before, a lot of people don't know just how much he contributed to a lot of the properties that are popular now. Um, and just to tell people the website, which is um, well, if you just type Jack Kirby into Google, to be Wikipedia honest, Wikipedia comes up and everything. The, well, I think the second hit, the first one is um, Wikipedia. I'm doing it now to see if this is true. The yeah, second this, one's Marvel. Uh, this, well, the second, I've just I've just done it. And the second one for me, I must have blocked Marvel. The second one for me is the Kirby Museum. So it's it's just kirbymuseum.org. Um, and if you're listening to this and you don't know who Jack Kirby is, I urge you to press pause and go and look at the Jack Kirby Museum website because you will learn astonishing things. Um, the The one piece of information that I try and throw out there as a starter is that Jack Kirby's characters, the characters Jack Kirby created, represent, I think, seven of the ten highest growing, grossing films of all time. So Jack Kirby created The Avengers. He created Black Panther. He created Fantastic Four. He created Captain America. And then people generally pipe up and say, well, no, Stan Lee created those. And, no, he didn't. Well, that's where you get into the whole conversation. I mean, for a start... Stan Lee had nothing to do with Captain America at all. Um, so, what, the... so, like, where's that information come from? When, like, well, I'll give you a brief potted history. Joe Simon, Joe, Joe Simon, and Jack Kirby created Captain America in 1939. Yeah, um, I think 1940 was when the first comic came out. But so we're talking about you know the, the Second World War, um, issue four of Captain America does contain a text piece by Stan Lee because Stan Lee was working for Joe Simon and Jack Kirby um, as like, but he was like the office junior. I'm just trying, I'm just looking at when he was born. So Stan Lee was born in 1922. So Stan Lee in 1939 was only a teenager. He was 17 years old. Um, the reason Stan Lee is associated so much with Captain America is that Jack Kirby and, and Stan Lee, years later, in the 60s, so we're, got, we're talking about this Captain America created in the 30s, 40s. In the 60s, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, after Stan Lee had worked in the industry for a while, was yeah. about to leave comics, and they had, they had the last blast together, and created the Fantastic Four and the Avengers, and, and a lot of the characters, the Hulk and Thor and Iron, just all the characters that are really popular now in the films, that was like the explosion of creativity in the Marvel years. So a lot of people think, okay, Stan Lee, who was great at self-promotion, created all these characters. But in reality, Stan Lee was uh, someone that gave a, gave a brief outline to artists. The artists would go away and come back with a ton of ideas and characters, and then Stan Lee would dialogue the, um, the things that they'd drawn. Stan Lee wasn't really a writer in the traditional sense. He was he was more of a dialoguer. He actually started out doing um, humorous captions for sporting photos. So they take like a picture of a golfer and then put a word balloon on it that made it into a funny cartoon. Um, but in the in the 
minds of most people that watch the films, Stan Lee created. It doesn't help that Stan Lee's got a cameo in so many of the films. But not to be down on Stan Lee. Um, I am a bit, but I know a lot of people love him, so I'm not going to win any fans by being negative about him. But let's be positive about Jack Kirby. He he was by far the driving force in creating those characters. Um, not only did Stan have nothing to do with Captain America, Jack had everything to do with all the others. And you can see that theme through all his work. Although the characters created in the 60s were massively popular, um, he went on when he left Marvel under a bit of a cloud to create the new gods, which we've just been talking about the Snyder Cut and Darkseid and Dessard and the Boom Tubes and Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf was an odd choice as a character. But anyway, um, Steppenwolf's Darkseid's uncle and he's, he's barely in the New Gods comics. He's a proper obscure character. Um, but he did create him, and he, and he created uh, he created Groot from the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, he, he created so many characters that Stan Lee really should slide into obscurity compared to Jack Kirby. But instead, for all sorts of reasons, mostly to do with money, Stan Lee's the one that's got all the credit. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a similar case with a lot of artists that have fallen out of, with Stan over the years. Steve Ditko, who created Spider-Man with him, was, was never very happy about the way Stan took credit. So that's why I got involved with the Jack Kirby Museum, because it felt like Jack Kirby, I was a massive fan of him as a kid in the 70s, always been a big fan of Jack Kirby. And when I got on the internet in the 90s and got on alt.use groups and started talking to other people that had all these great stories about Jack Kirby, it kind of became apparent to me that he wasn't getting the... Um, recognition that he deserved. If I'm right, in there's a lot. There's out. a lot. To, there's a lot to cover, Joe. Um, it was because I was I was I was actually like looking at like Jack Kirby things before we started because I knew obviously it, it was one thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, like he got didn't he leave Marvel and go into animation or something. He did work in animation for a while. Yeah, yeah. It was like... um, Ruby Spears. He worked for. I mean, some of the cartoons that, if you were a kid at a certain time, you would remember were were Jack Kirby. He, he used to do a lot of the character design. Um, he did Thunder the Barbarian. He did the the Mister T cartoon, which obviously you're no a big way. fan of. Um, but that was that was true. There was a time a time when comics were seen as a very much a. The lower level illustration was seen as a better job than comics. Um, working in TV and animation was seen as a better job than comics. So, I think Jack always had a bit of a hankering to work in the in the movies, and that, that never really took off, unfortunately. Um, but he was so sick of the way he was being treated at Marvel. He left Marvel to go to DC, and um, and then, and then uh, from he did... DC returned to Marvel. Well, he did eventually, yeah. In the in the, if I'm right, it was like seventy six. He returned. I'll take your word for that. Yeah, it was the, it was <laughs> it was the it was the seventies. Bear in mind, I haven't been to a comic convention for a year. I used to give talks about this. I um, literally the only reason I know this because I was looking at it a bit beforehand. It, it must have been it, earlier. It, it might not have been seventy six. It might have been earlier, but um well new, God, the fo- the new gods world was... saga was between 71 and 75 it was yeah so it probably was about it was it was probably after the fourth world saga so 76 makes a certain amount of sense i'll go with that see see shall, to, shall i google I, I, it now and then yeah, you can cut that it. out and it'll... yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah i'm so... not gonna cut it out but go for it <laughs> 
Yeah, 76 sounds right. Get Apparently, a, a comic book convention in 75, Stan Lee announced that Kirby was returning to Marvel. Um, and then it was after that, so it was at Marvel. I mean, he worked at Timely and, and he, on his own for a while, and Timely became Marvel. So then it was Marvel till sort of 71, then DC 71 to 75, then Marvel again. And then it was after he left Marvel a second time that he got into um, the animation work more. Um, Turbo Teen as well was the other one. Turbo Teen? Yeah, it was about a teenager that turned into a car. Yeah, you had to be alive at a certain point to remember things like that. <sighs> I don't even want to say about that. Look it, look it up on YouTube. I will. I might do. Yeah, I think I'm going to... Yeah, I just, I just don't get it. Yeah, that wasn't... Like, yeah, I'm yeah. not putting forward Turbo Teen as some of Jack Kirby's greatest work, but I would just but say example of it. was. But it was example of some of the stuff he did. Um, fantastic fun, everything like that. There's so many good Kirby stories. I mean, bear in mind, he had a he had a career that spanned the best part of 60 years, and he was prolific. He would he drew tens of thousands of pages, and that's what I love about Kirby. Not that he was such a creative force. He created new characters like daily in fant- in the Fantastic Four, the early issues, the first sort of 60 odd issues of Fantastic Four. So there's some single issues that create two or three new characters that are still popular today, and he would he would, you know bash it out in a couple of days. I reckon you could do that. No, <laughs> no, do you no not, one, so, no one but Jack Kirby could do that. Do you not reckon, like, so obviously, like, we've had the stuff like Star Wars, Harry Potter. I know this is like film based, and obviously, like, we've had like stuff like the Avengers and stuff like that. Do you not think it's like really difficult to find, like? to create something new but like that's going to be on the same level as like the likes of like Avengers and stuff like that like even like making like a new superhero that everyone like is going to enjoy it 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 would be so difficult now to do for the simple fact everyone's like Captain America Thor Iron Man stuff like that and like there's you know there's, there's, there's an interesting sort of economics behind all that because because Marvel own a lot of the characters that are old like that, you know, Captain America, Hulk, Thor. Financially, it makes sense for them to perpetuate those characters. Because if, if you created a character now, it'd probably be creator-owned. So you'd have to give a chunk of the money. If Say the film made a billion dollars, you'd have to give a, a big chunk of that to whoever created the character. But with these characters, Marvel don't have to pay anyone else a penny from the, the film. Jack Kirby didn't see a penny from the, the, um, the merchandising or the films made of his characters. It used to actually used to upset Jack Kirby if he went into a toy shop and saw all the characters with, um, you know, toys being sold of his characters because he think, "Why well, they're they're my ideas and people are making money off it, and I'm not seeing any money for it." And that was because a lot of artists work worked as work for hire, so they would sign a back of a check that said, "You know, this this work I'm doing it, and you own the copyright to it." Um, and nowadays, I think artists and writers are a bit more savvy and want creator rights and that's unfortunately that means that it's very unlikely that warner brothers will invest a hundred million dollars into making a film where if it is popular they'll have to pay a chunk to the person that created the character i think that's the... it's, kind of, it's kind of a weird catch-22 situation so what we get is characters that aren't that relevant anymore that were created in the sort of 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s they keep regurgitating those same reason mickey mouse is still 
used so much and they don't think let's let's get someone to create a new mickey mouse character that's, that's you know sammy because it well they would have to pay whoever created it i think that's so off the back obviously like on the side i do like design work so say for instance like i'm to make someone's logo for them as soon as like i've sent that over and they've paid me they literally think oh well i own the whole thing now when in retrospect they don't because well, that's why you need a that's why you need a contract I've never so I I, I I invoice people, but I never. You should have do when contracts. I when I do these because I do a bit of graphic design work. Have a paragraph at the end of your invoice that explains clearly what your copyright. I'm gonna is. I'm gonna have to. Take uh, I mean, I give work. I I will give the copy because I mean, if you're giving it to a company that's going to use that, yeah, it's, it's perfectly acceptable to say you now own the copyright of this image and you can reproduce this image for profit as much as you like. But the amount you charge them for doing that will reflect the fact that you've got a copyright to them. Yeah. yeah. No, I understand um, that. Yeah. You've got you've got to think about that. But the problem is then the company will just go to someone else on DeviantArt that will do it for free. Or Fiverr. For exposure. Yeah. Oh I'll go to it's Fiverr, a, Fiverr. It's a tricky world. So what you said before about it's very hard to create a new superhero. It's very hard to create anything. These it's days. easy to create a new superhero that's that's great, but creating one that's going to capture the public imagination like Thor has is yeah. going to be very hard. Um, it's not impossible, though. There are examples. I mean, Wolverine's probably the most recent character I can think of that's universally recognised. There aren't many, and he was what seventies? When was uh... it? Was it was Hulk one eight one, wasn't he? Uh, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head with that one. Um, you're gonna hit. I'm like, I'm more of a DC fan. Nin- than 1974, me. Hulk 181. So, goodness me, that's how many years? That's nearly 50 years ago. I'm sure there are better yeah. examples. I mean, Spawn was quite popular, but not not to the same level that the whole the Hulk or Wolverine or Thor is. Like even X Men, they're like pretty big. Like, oh, uh, they were Jack. X Men with Jack Kirby, they were sixties. Yeah, sixty three. Well, it depends which X Men you're talking about, isn't it? Like, X Men number one was being um, reimagined. September sixty three. You know, the the original X Men weren't the X Men that you see in the films, were they? The, no, no. Some of them yeah. were. Uh, apparently, it's September sixty three, created by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Whose names? Whose names above whose? Let's have a guess. <laughs> <laughs> but the. The X Men really became popular when it was kind of rebooted a bit, wasn't it? A few years after that, yeah, when Dave, uh, Dave Cockrum. There is an X Men movie where Deadpool's in it, but it's not the Deadpool that we know now. It's a very, it's a really weird Deadpool where he's got his like mouth stitched over and stuff. I don't, I don't know if you've seen that. I have seen that. That's the that's the Wolverine Origins film. Yes, that one. Yeah, yeah but that was that a was bit weird. That another case of an odd choice. Deadpool, really odd. popular character, and then they did a version of him in the film that was nothing like the character. In fact, Deadpool's known for being the, the merc with the mouth. And then, um, to saw his mouth and then they up sewed his weird. mouth up. Actually, Deadpool's an example, isn't it? I'm, I, I, I'm not really a Deadpool aficionado. I don't really so, I don't think I've ever, ever I read a Deadpool you... comic. But he's okay, a, so he's a, the, in a comic, in one of the Deadpool he's a recent comics, character, isn't he? he actually refers to himself as looking like Ryan Reynolds. Uh, this was before the Deadpool like movie, well before the Deadpool comics, uh, Deadpool movie came out and that. I know and Ryan Reynolds behold, is a big fan, isn't he? And then lo and behold, Ryan Reynolds ended up playing him. 
I've never seen really a Deadpool cool. movie. I, I hear the. You've not seen the movies? Oh, no, hilarious. Never. Absolute hilarious. I do. I I recommend them, but obviously, if it's not for you, it's not for you. That's fair play. But personally, I I I love them. Like, as someone who's like very much a DC fan over Marvel, and you can argue with me about that. That's fine. I don't mind. A lot of people shouldn't be for that, but um. You see, Deadpool yeah, was created much. by Rob Liefeld, and I, I'm not a massive fan of Rob Liefeld. Oh, any any specific reason? <laughs> you see, if you if you knew anything about Rob Liefeld, you'd know why people don't like him. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> I've, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna qualify this by saying that I have met him. Oh, and okay. He lived up to every expectation I had of him. <laughs> but um, to to separate the person from the art, Rob Liefeld's art isn't very good. Because didn't he? Like, I don't know much about him. Like, well, I know little the, bits about him. I mean, Deadpool is, is just based on another character, isn't it? Um, yes. Oh, don't. It's a DC character. I know what you're going to say. Deathstroke. Is it Deathstroke? Yeah. Yeah. Because he's called Wade he's, he's Wilson. Got the same, he's got the same costume. He's got the same name, almost. Yeah. Everything that's popular about Deadpool, as far as I can see, has nothing to do with Rob Liefeld. It was things that people added that whole, later on. And the whole thing of Spider-Man and... Deadpool and stuff. It's, if if you don't know much so, about yeah, Rob Liefeld, obviously you, and I don't, obviously I don't want to be negative about him, but you've got Google. Uh, Rob Liefeld can't draw feet, and can he actually not? There's whole websites. There's a great yes. website called the Forty Worst Rob Liefeld Drawings <laughs> that I could I could do a whole podcast about. Because you've got obviously Deadpool, you've got Wade Wilson, and then <laughs> Deathstroke, yeah. Slade Wilson. Yeah, exactly. There's, it, that um, irritates. It's it's surprising, isn't it? Deadpool's so popular. Right, he can't draw feet. I'm gonna quickly look at that. Uh, <laughs> draw feet. The fully worst. Oh, wow. Have have Did a quick that. look at that. Just have a quick look. Quick, quick glance. Quick glance. Let's go. Right. What is that? Why is a back like that? What? I mean, that, that's yeah. Are you looking at the picture of the woman whose sort of spine is yeah a, about four inches the wrong way? Yeah, it, there really are some fantastic examples of bad art in there. So how is how is he? How did oh, I don't even know? I don't want to know. I think the worst possible um, example of Rob Liefeld art is a Captain America he did. Where Captain America had like giant breasts. If you just Google Captain America Rob Liefeld, then look at the first image that comes up. Let's have a look. And the one on the left is the one that Rob Liefeld drew with the sort of giant chest. This is so bit. Why? So, two things that annoy me about this one. So, obviously, he's got boobs. But then, do you know like the star on the chest? Yeah. It's weird. Like, it doesn't look centred to, like, the body, if you get me. It looks very much like it's, like, just being put on, like, one boob. It's difficult to know where to start as to how wrong that drawing is. I don't want to do a podcast about negative things, but but do some research about Lord Bleafield and decide if you like it or not. Yeah, if anyone wants to see that, please feel free to just, like, type it in. Um, You know, I think if I'd have met him and he was, like, yeah, laughed about it and said, you know, I had to do some pretty terrible stuff, but he thinks he's brilliant 
and he's he's relatively obnoxious. I'm gonna I'm gonna recreate that somehow. I'm gonna get an actual. So, so I don't know if you see it's like the second picture on. Someone's actually recreated the picture, but using the actual like actor. I forgot who plays. I forgot who plays him now. Chris Sevens. Yeah, someone's recreated him. I'm, but, uh, I'm looking at it now. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. But yeah. Anyway, back to the less negativity stuff. Yeah. Sorry. How did we no, get onto relief? No. Oh, Deadpool. No, yeah. Yeah. We're about yeah. Deadpool, so I'm not really. In, I'm not really into that sort of thing. But. No, I understand. But no. That's, that's right. probably the yeah, only example fun. I can think of of a recent character that's that's gone become crazy popular. Yeah, because like he even so. Ryan Reynolds was like kind of like a big actor anyway, in like in in a way. But like ever since Deadpool, like his popularity is like shot up, because like he's bought a football club over here. He bought Wrexham FC. He's got his own gin company that also sponsor his football club now, awesome. and like stuff like that. Like it's insane. He's, he does like a lot of voiceovers for like adverts and like a lot of like. Deadpool characterish adverts as well, where it's like obviously it, it, he's himself, but he does it very much like Deadpool. I have nothing but love for Ryan Reynolds. It's oh, Rob, Lee, Rob Leefield that that gets on my nerves. <laughs> but yeah, but but you know, good luck to him. He's very successful and he has a massive fan base. Exactly. Um, it needs as, to, as learn to be a bit that, nice to fine. people. So, going back to yourself, so what are you currently working on then? So more Obviously about me. Yeah, more uh, well, I've had, a, I've had a weird year, like most people. What um, have you been doing over lockdown? Explain. I've been doing a lot of commissions because all my comic convention work has dried up completely. So I've been giving no talks, um, no performances, and no comic conventions. It's meant that I've had every weekend free. So I'm I'm writing a novel, which is okay, which is always compatible with being locked down because you do that in a in a room on your own. What type? What what type of novel is it? Oh gosh. Um, what category would you put it under? It's um, there's a I guess there's a story leading up to this that I started out doing a. Have you ever heard the Inferior Five? I haven't. No. I've got. Well, I've got some Inferior Five comics. Inferior Five. I kind of. They, I'd like they were to. kind. They were kind. They were great. There's, it's kind of a spoof DC seventies superhero team where they're all inept. Um, one of them's called Dumb Bunny and. Yeah. One of them is called the Blimp. He's just fat and can float. Um, so I, I did a, I wrote a reboot comic with um, an artist friend, John Watson, and we thought, oh, let's do an Inferior Five comic, and that got DC weren't interested. So then we moved into doing a comic about something that was a bit like the Inferior Five. We did our own characters. Um, okay. They were called they were called the Randomers. The Randomers. And that, and that didn't. That didn't really. A lot. We spent a lot of time on it. I mean, we've got. I've got pages of it. It's all written and drawn and done. But we didn't. That didn't get finished. So then we started doing a novel together, and we thought, "Oh, we'll write a book together," because you know we were friends, and I've written books, and he's drawn a lot of comics, and we thought it would be, it would be nice to collaborate. So we started writing a book together that was loosely based around the randomers idea. It was a. Okay. It, was, it was a team of um, superheroes that had. An interesting sort of collection of of powers, and then we got into a sort of time travel storyline, um, and then from that, it it kind of as as ideas often do, it kind of morphed into this because John was really into Tudor history. He was going to do the the Tudor history chapters, 
and I was going to do the modern day chapters and they were going to alternate. So, um, so we, we spent, went ahead and spent probably two or three years of our lives talking about this and writing them and hundreds of thousands of words. And then the, we got to the point where we were showing each other the, the chapters and editing them. And it, it just kind of, it slid from there into, <laughs> into us just fundamentally disagreeing on the, on the whole process. Oh, God. Uh, so, I mean, we're still friends, which is astonishing really, considering the, the, some of the conversations we had about each other's writing. Um, John, to his credit, you know, he's an art, he's a fantastic artist and I, some of his writing was brilliant. Um, some of it wasn't, and maybe I was perhaps a little bit too harsh sometimes in the, in the way I edited. Sometimes and like, you have to be though. It's nice. Likewise, to, it's well, nice to, I, it's nice. Yeah, thing. it's hard to find a relationship with someone where you can be totally honest, and, and you know we were able to do that. We were very honest with each other, but we got we just got to a point where we were locking horns so much that then we 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 went our separate ways, and he's writing his book that's based on the the Tudor episodes. And then he's rewriting some sort of 80s stuff to go in with that. So there's still a time travel element. And I'm taking all my modern day stuff and crafting a, a, a novel out of that. So I'm writing a novel that's based on half of a book that was based on a comic that was based on a DC comic. Um, wow. And it started out as very much a, a... Influenced by Inferior 5. Yeah, it was very much a, a comedy. It was a, We called it a sitcomic, a sitcom in a comic. I get it. No, and it I was, get it. That's, that's, that's actually pretty clever. Even though I say so myself, it was brilliant. Um, and the book is much more serious. The book I'm writing is much more about um, delusion and manipulation and, and modern media. And it's very hard now to write anything without it being clouded by coronavirus. Because anything you write set in the present day, you've got oh, to make that so decision. So... Does it in, do you mention the fact that the world did nothing for a year? And I'm kind of, I'm not, I'm, I'm avoiding the whole thing and setting it in an indeterminate sort of modern period. And it's about, um, how can I this, describe it in, in a short paragraph? This is the problem with the whole book because it, does, it, it defies an easy explanation. But it's, it's about a group of people that used to have um, the ability to, to do a lot of things and no longer have. And, but one of them has retained enough ability to control the others. So now we're under sort of rest home where most of them are either kept in comas or kept in forced delusions. Um, and a, a local school child wanders into the whole thing thinking it's a rest home and befriends one of the elderly um, guys who's able to manipulate matter in various ways. And, oh, okay. and it, and, it, um, and he's living like a, a double, everything he does, he thinks is something else. So it's written from two perspectives. It's written from his perspective where he's living a certain sort of life. And then you read the next chapter and it's written from the perspective of people watching him and seeing what he's doing. Um, and the two are very different. And it's about those two, two realities coming together. It's much better than it sounds. I kind of, I kind of like when, when, when's this coming out? Oh, who knows? Who knows? Um, <laughs> could, be, could be tomorrow. Could be next year. Could be. I, I suspect. I suspect John's version of the book will come out before mine. Really? Um, yeah, he's he's got a professional editor and he's doing it properly. Oh, I um, I write it all for yourself. I write very differently. I write very. Um, that was one of our fallouts, really. That I I tend to sort of 
write the bits that I want to write and then put them all together like a jigsaw. Whereas he was very sequential and wanted to sort of write it as the story developed. Um, I think it's. I think it's a lot easier to like obviously do it in the puzzle because like if you can do like the start, middle, and end, and then just fill it in from there, it's a lot easier. You know, absolutely. If you know where you're going, yeah, it's, it's like otherwise you have an idea and it changes and develops. And if you're not writing the the, the last five chapters until the end, then you're going anything you change, you have to go back and think, oh, I've changed that at the start because now that makes no sense. But if you start, you need to start with an overall arch. And then I tend to write the end first, then the middle, and then the beginning. So, like a few year back, a few years back, I was really bored. Whilst I was, I used to work in uh, for AXA, uh, car insurance. Oh yes. And I was just sat there, uh, just bored, and I started writing a parody of Harry Potter. Um, it's, it's not PG. It's called Harry Pothead, and the sorcerer's bong. Um, you can see what you do that. Yeah, and I've written about five chapters of it. Potentially a big Literally, hit there. I drew a front cover. There were some Everything. Barry Trotter books, weren't there? There were some Harry Yeah, Potter. there was Barry Trotter, yeah. yeah. Um, never published it anywhere. But I, I, I still have that on my Google Documents. There we are, um, getting published. sat there waiting till one day be finished. Um, I, I Literally, I had names for like the second one and everything. Like I had Because like, I'd literally made all the titles up and then started writing because i was bored because i because it was like in that period at work where like no one would be ringing i'd be waiting like half an hour for a call so i'd just be sat there writing away and that's that's how i wrote my first novel in a very boring office job surprising how much work you can get done in between not doing it's weird isn't it especially yeah. when we've got no calls but yeah uh, yeah harry potter and the sorcerer they say they say everyone's got a book in them i've I'd suggest writing something that isn't based on a J.K. Rowling book. Oh, it was very... It's, it's a good place to start. Yeah. I'll, I'll, it's surprising I'll, how I'll many popular things started out. I mean, like, saying our book started out as an Inferior 5 spin-off. Didn't, didn't Twilight start? No, it was Fifty Shades of Grey yeah, started was, out as a Twilight, Twilight fan fiction, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Weird, that, it, isn't it? You'd never very think, you'd weird. Never, you'd never think it until you've heard, like, until you hear, like... If you, re- if you yeah. read the fan fiction, it baff- I'm not going to. It baffles to. me how popular that was anyway, but yeah. When you find out it was Twilight fan fiction, you, you just think, that's crazy. I'm going to happily put my hand up and say I have watched Fifty Shades of Grey. I, I'm proud to say not, I've not, wa- not watched not, either of them. <laughs> I didn't do it because I, I wanted to. I kind of got made to at the time. Are you going to sell it as research for a podcast? Or? Yes. Okay, <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> I was researching for this podcast that came out many years later. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, um, so back onto so the novel that you're writing. So obviously you you said it was based off obviously in Fear of Five when you made the the randomers. Do you still? Well, have, well, there's no connection now. That's that was just like yeah. a gestation so, of it. Really. So do you still like have like all of the drawings of the characters and that? Like yes, um, I do. <laughs> One, we did. We have talked extensively. And man, the, the the years of my life that I've given to this project. Me and John have talked extensively about doing a book about the book. Um, and a book about the book. That that's been um, that's probably about a third written. To be honest, we we started writing that. Yeah, because our our whole journey of. Um, just arguing constantly for three solid years was genuinely quite entertaining in some ways. Um, 
and it's a shame not to put it out there because I know some people will be interested in reading it. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'm actually going to read it just because I want to. Are you putting quotes in of the arguments? If not, I'm not reading. We, <laughs> I'm joking. We no, we 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 kept when we kept a lot of stuff, a lot of it was done on iMessage, so we kept a lot of stuff, and then we yeah. recorded each other talking to each. So it's all there. Um, so you look back at some of the things that both of us said, you're like, oh, did I really say that? That's awful. <laughs> I think it's um, like, it's like, at the time, you don't think about it, you just say it. But then when you look back at it, it's like, oh, I kind of feel bad now. Yeah. But, we're, you know, we're good enough friends to be able to laugh at it, hopefully. Um, oh, and we talked about doing the book in character as well, you know, so that, that the book will be done with some of the characters from the book actually talking to us. It all got very... Cool. It all got very meta at one point. I think it could potentially be a much bigger hit than the actual books. Well, I, I will be reading both yeah. books. Well, we don't have a good track it. record of actually producing any finished results yet. We've been, well, I think we're, we'll see if you do. We're getting into <laughs> our 10th year of working on this. And as well as the novel, um, the novel mostly is, has only really been progressed because of lockdown. So that's been useful. But I've been doing a lot of commission work and a bit of comic coloring. I've, I've um, looked at a few, a few of them the other day actually as well. Well, the funny thing about comic art fans is a lot of the stuff that's been because the guy I do it for posts it every week, but I think the stuff that he posted this week I did three years ago. No way. Yeah, so I mean, I'm I was I'm sat working on a piece now, and it may not see the light of day for another two years, which, which is an odd way. But it, the the guy it's called Aiden. Um, it was in Florida. And he he has a it all it's all in his head and he knows a story and knows where it's going. So I just I've been working with him for long enough now to kind of be on the same wavelength. Um, and he's got a, a master plan that baffles me in its complexity. I just follow his lead. So is it just the covers that he do like he gets done, or did you get like the full comic done? It's no, it's all just covers, and it kind of tells the story through the covers. That's insane, that. It is, isn't it? When it when you think of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, I mean, I think it's, it's over a thousand by the time it's it's done. Because like, he's obviously he's paying for it as well. Well, yeah, it's like, mind boggling, and, he, and some he, of the he, artists he, he must gets be, are great. I mean, he must be like a massive fan to like be like, well, I want a cover. Oh, he's like a, yeah, he's a serious fan. There's a comic art fans. I would recommend anyone that's into comics to have a look at. There's a, there's a guy in there um, does a series of comics called One Minute Later. And they're all comic covers that are what happens a minute later from the original cover. So it'll take, like, Spider-Man 50 and then get a, a, a really good artist to do the cover as if it was a minute later from the original cover. And some of them are fascinating. I'm going to have a quick look. One minute later. Uh, if you type in... One minute later, comic art fans. I think that'll probably bring it up. Yeah. Michael, one minute later. Michael, one minute later. And there's a one minute later gallery. Yes. Found and there's absolutely loads of them. Oh, God. There is. Oh, wow. I mean, if you, if you go, if you're on the page now that says one minute later gallery at the top. Yeah. yeah. If, if you scroll down to where it says art by artist, it's got a list of all the artists that's worked on it. And that will blow your mind. Uh, oh, there we go. Oh, God. That's a huge list. Yeah, I mean, think oh, of an artist you like, and they're probably on there. Are you on there? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Have you done one of them? 
Uh, I've certainly worked on some of them, but I don't think I would get a credit. I, I'm looking now. I'll tell you in a second. Uh, a quicker way to do it, I wonder. No. No. I didn't make the list. I was going to see if there was an easier way to do it. Do you know why like, you just search? Control F. There we go. But yeah, Michael's gallery is great. So is Aiden's. You know, this, this, it just shows you how much creativity is going on just in the sort of comic art collection scene. People like to have a yeah, thing. I knew this was a thing. I actually, actually looked at your things. And you find a lot of a lot of artists have had like a good run working for Marvel or DC, but then they'll fall out of favour with the big publishers or for whatever reason. And then they'll go on to a career doing commissions or working for smaller. Well, there's Rob Leefield in there, look. Oh, wow. I'm not going to lie. It's not something I'd like commission myself because I just don't have that type of money. But if I did, I probably would, to be fair. Because I'd probably get like a... Because I'm a huge Aquaman fan. So I'd probably get like a few Aquaman commissions. What would, you, what would you rather spend your money on? I always think some of these comic collectors will pay three or four hundred quid for a variant cover. Yeah. You can, you can commission an artist to do a really nice piece for that. I just like it. Because like... I'm very much like a, like, I know he gets a like Aquaman gets a lot of hate, but I, personally he's like my favorite superhero, hands down. Um, the I, the I, Nick Cardiers, Nick Cardi Aquaman. Awesome. I don't, so I don't like the newer Aquaman. I like the blonde haired Aquaman, like the original Aquaman. Yeah, Nick Cardi was yeah. the, the the Aquaman artist for me. Um, back back in the day, I I just love like and just it doesn't have to be a comic book cover, just like an actual Aquaman piece just like on an A4 piece of paper I can just frame and just put on my wall or something I'm very much like big Aquaman fan like it's just but it would it can't be the new Aquaman it'd have to be old Aquaman yeah original Aquaman do you ever see the Darwin Cook Aquaman cover where he's kissing Mira in the waves no google Darwin Cook Aquaman cover and I think it'll come up and it's like a a fold-out cover. It's lovely. It's very. It's quite simple. Oh wait, I've got that. I've got that. Aquaman thirty-seven. I have that. Love that cover. Somewhere around here. <laughs> I have that cover because uh, they also did. I've got the Flash one. I've got the Harley Quinn one. Um. Oh, I didn't. They didn't know that. I've got a few of them because I think I've got like three copies of the Aquaman one. That's a lovely cover. Darwin Cook was great. He's died now. Really. Yeah, died a couple of years ago. Um, what else have I got? I've got, I've got so many comics. I'm going to have, to, I'm going to have a quick gander. I think uh, some of the good comics... Some of the good covers are like the... the I, enjoy, I really enjoy like the foil ones like that. I know nobody else can see apart from us, but... It's lovely. Is that a recent one then? I've not, never seen That's that. That's a recent one, yeah. I've got like older ones. I've got a region of superheroes. <laughs> hey, that's see to me that's a recent comic. It's yeah, probably from the uh, the nineties. Yeah, I've got like all the ones. Now I've lost your sound again, mate. You've gone quiet. Yeah, there we go. Yep, you're back. We've got Dial Hero. 
Oh, I used to love Dial H for Hero. That was that was a great series. I've got quite a few of them. Um, obviously, I've got like the newer comics and that. That'd make a great um, TV series, Dial H for Hero. Yeah, it would. It would very much so. Like it, it lends itself to sort of an episodic thing. Good old Lego you know, covers. The Lego guess. covers didn't do much for me. I'll be honest. No, they didn't do much for me. I got that in, you know, like the four for a pound thing. Then you got like little holographic ones and stuff like that. Got loads. Got too many to count these days. Um, can't find like an old one. I know it's around here somewhere. I've got like Star Wars ones and that as well. This really doesn't work as an audio podcast, mate. But I'd, it's nice. To see. Yeah, <laughs> it's alright. It's, it's fine. <laughs> Guys, I've got, we're just, I've got we're the copies of the ones that I was talking about this last time I I went come with you that I got the physical copies of the ones that I did. Oh, what I want that. So these are the supercharged. Looks cool. I've only got two copies. Sorry, <laughs> you know. can buy it in the states though. I think. I don't live in the states. Actually, yes. I think they were free. I say you can buy it. I think it was a giveaway. Oh, that's oh, nice. Good old Teen Titans. Yeah, I love a bit of Teen Titans. They say that's a proper comic. That's like sixty. You can tell by how they smell. If it's if you can smell the rotting paper, it's a good comic. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Super prizes. This is what we're about earlier. Join the Youth Opportunity Sales Club. It's easy to earn. <laughs> and they were the same adverts. Remember that so, advert? They were the, they were the same. I think I've got. I think that's in one for, of for years. Slim Jims. The end of the skinny Slim body. Yeah. This one has got a karate class in it. And it was always exciting because as a kid, it was there were American comics advertising American things that you couldn't get, like Slim Jims and air rifles. Air rifle, wow. But there was no way you could send off for them. A bit of Star Trek. That's proper Star Trek as well. Star Trek. Crazy crabs. There's a lot of joy to be had from 1970s comic adverts. It's one of the few things I miss about leaving the house, rummaging through old comics. There we go, 100 pieces. That's it, 100 toy soldiers. That was in every comic for about 10 years. And it's SeaWorld. And the Sea, sea Monkeys sea advert. World. Isn't that those things where like, you got like a little tank and it was like these microscopic things that you couldn't see? You had to use like, a magnifying glass. Yeah, they were little um, see, tiny sea creatures. But on the, ad- on the advert, it was like a family of a mother and father and child and looked like aliens and you used to buy the you used to send the dried eggs and a packet in the post and you could reactivate them by adding water and the little creatures appeared there we go. there's a superman one that's a superman one that it is. Oh, that's a recent one because it's got a sideways that's so how much do you spend on comics every week joe are you are you still a <laughs> i used to spend quite a lot on them um i used to so when i used to when I used to work at AXA on my dinner I used to go to the comic book store that was around the corner uh, the one that my friend owned and I'd spend like 10-15 quid a day on them but like um, it wouldn't just be like it, it It could just be like two comics or something though like, yeah. actually, like, but like there weren't new ones or like older ones that's why I'd get them like ones that you wouldn't like see these days but yeah I, I used to spend quite a lot I don't know um, I haven't bought proper comics in quite some time. Um, I'd like to again, but so no, I just like 
ton of don't want don't want to, I'm getting bored of like the new ones and I don't want to like if there was somewhere like local that sold like the older comics and that again I'd probably start again yeah but uh, um I'd rather get a full run of them than just one or two just like random ones here and there that that weird sort of speculative buying market has spoiled it a bit because everyone thinks oh every comic's worth lots of money so they don't want to sell them for fifty p anymore in case they're selling one that's worth two grand. But in reality, ninety nine percent of all comics are the sort of things you would throw away. There's like loads of stuff that like I used to find. I used to be like, oh, I'm gonna get that, but just never got it. And I never noticed how many I've actually got all these variant covers. Like, like I got like the the Batgirl. Sinistro, Green Lantern, just like just like literally the, the money well money well it. spent. It is, isn't it? It is. Like, At least not spending it on the the Delorean model kit. Could do, but I'm not going to. I've got an eighties Adventures of Superman. 88. Yeah, I think that's, that for me the eighties is when the comics kind of jumped the shark. They were Watchmen was great. Dark Knight Returns was great, and then I, had the, I kind um, of lost interest a bit. I had the Watchmen omnibus at one point. Do you know that was like all of them in one? Like it was yeah, like more, that was more of like a recent thing than anything. Like that was like in the last like few years that came out. But apart from that, um, yeah, no, I'd like most of my collection. Like that's next to me, is built up of like more modern stuff from like eighties onwards. Um, I have like obviously the Batman Beyond and that that I showed you earlier, like from like ages ago. But I I prefer I'd, I'd prefer like the older comics. But I think like comic book stores these days, if they see anything from like the sixties or fifties, not like they try and like sell it for like a higher price than it's actually worth. Absolutely, so like, yeah, they massively so like, inflate the price. Like, I'm not going to spend like two hundred quid on a comic. I'm alright, thanks. It's a shame, isn't it? The, the days when oh, you would get a, a, a basket shame. of 50p comics has kind of gone. It is a shame. Kids I'd today don't know what they're missing out on. I'd love to be So you need to, to go away and, and research the Inferior 5 now, because they were great. I'm actually going to, you know, I'm going to see if there's any, like, PDFs online. I recommend Captain Carrot as well. They were great. Captain Carrot? I'm actually, you know what, I'm Captain Carrot on. and the, the Amazing oh. Zoo Crew were a big favourite of mine. Gonna, so I don't know if he's going to listen to this, he might not, but I've still got to watch Fireflies anyway, so it's fine. It's fine, I've got so I've got like a list of things that I have to do now, so obviously I've got to watch Inferior, watch, uh, read Inferior 5, Captain Carrot, uh, Fireflies, I need to watch, anything else? Well, Jack Kirby's New Gods is great, I'd recommend... New Gods? Um, Mr. Miracle, Forever People, the whole sort of fourth world. Uh, There's not that I've many of them, really. Mr. The, oh, the no. problem is Jack Kirby went back to DC in the 70s, did a brilliant run um, that only lasted a relatively short period. And then for, for the next 30, 40 years, everyone kept telling stories about the same characters. So when you say, I've read a Mr. Miracle comic, you may have read Probably a from, yeah. terrible 1990s Mr. Miracle comic. Go back to the original ones, and there's a there's a cohesive story sort of told throughout the four issues, because it, it was one, one of the first sort of 
times that a story was told over four different because it was it was Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, the Forever People, Mister Miracle, and New Gods were the four comics that told the story of the Fourth World, and they're worth going back and I'm sure they're available in trades, so they're great. Uh, Dan Slot's Silver Surfer run is, is really good. Oh, wow. uh, there's so much, isn't there? I I'll tell you what I really liked back in the day: Justice League Year, year One by Barry Kitson. I just enjoy Justice League altogether. It, it <laughs> kind of re- retells the sort of Silver Age origins of it, but Barry yeah. Kitson was a was a favourite artist of mine back in the day. Um, that's that's a good trade because it tells a cohesive story. In one, I've got a uh, superhero friends. Or Super Friends, I think it was called. It was DC. Um, Kirby did Super Friends. Yeah, the, Super Friends. It's like it's a bit. That like was in the type of in the twilight years of his career, though. Super yeah. Friends had had a bit of a Thor Fourth World crossover at one point. I they had because uh, in Forbidden Planet, I did like a big, like omnibus type of thing of it. But it's like it was just like a volume, and I got volume one and two for like I think it was like two pound fifty or something. They got on sale. Because no one was buying them. A lot of people are very down on Kirby's later work, but I, I really dig it. Some of the Captain Victory and Silver Star. Uh, some of the later stuff was, it was just doing. He was writing it and he was drawing it, and it was out there. You know, even even when he was in his um, twilight years, he was still coming out with some great ideas. Yeah, but check them know. out, mate. I'm gonna have to go. It's like nearly half no, twelve. I know. I've, no, this is, if this is a two and a half hour podcast, no one so, will listen to this long. It's so one hour to, and 49 minutes exactly up to now. You need to edit it down severely. No, 100% I'm going to. So quickly before <laughs> you do go, tell everyone what you're doing now and where they can find you before you quickly go. Uh, I, I'm almost completely devoid of any social media presence. I'm on Twitter, Russell underscore pain. So feel free to follow that if you want to catch up on what I'm doing. I'm still trying to promote Jack Kirby when I can. I'm still working on the novel. And if you look at me on Comic Art Fans, you can see what I'm up to there as well. Perfect. Well, it's been nice to have you. Enjoy what you're going to do Enjoy doing the rest of your work that you've got to do. Thanks, man. No, it's good speaking to you, you, Joe. Yeah, you too. Thank you.